How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 29 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and my voice is giving me just enough to bring you this podcast. It feels like I'm yelling, but it's coming out as a whisper, so uh, this should be fun. Um, all right, I'm loaded up on ginger shots. I'm good. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, the news from over the weekend, uh, some divisional news, and then I go over a potential trade scenario involving Jorge Mateo, because uh, his name was floated in a couple of light rumors uh, over the weekend as well. So I'll go over what a trade could look like on that front, and then uh, yeah, then we'll wrap it up and call it a day, and we'll, we'll do this again tomorrow. Uh, before we get into everything, though, as always, please follow us on uh, Locked on A's on Twitter, or me personally at ByJasonB. Uh, I have been out of commission on the, both those platforms for a couple of days uh, due to sickness, as you can hear. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to it. You know, we got, you know, regular season baseball is only a couple of weeks away. So let's get excited, everybody. Bring on the 2020 season. Um, all right. So the big news off of uh, Sunday was that Justin Verlander left his start with the Houston Astros a couple innings early. Uh, he was apparently experiencing right biceps uh, soreness. Um, so they took him out as a precautionary measure. They're going to run further tests, see how it is, all that stuff. Uh, you know, the usual routine for these things, but, uh, that's not good news for Justin Verlander and especially not for the Houston Astros who have Verlander, Grinky, and then maybe Lance McCullers who's recovering from Tommy John and then a couple of rookies. So the rotation is not, you know, as stacked as it has been in the past. And while we don't wish injury upon anybody, um, this could open up the door for the for the Oakland A's in 2020 if Verlander misses any amount of time, because every start that he misses is any start that he makes, I'd give them about a 70 percent chance of winning because Justin Verlander is a demigod. So if he misses, you know, a month's worth of starts, you know, four or five starts, uh, and they end up losing all of those or you know winning one or two, whereas they could have won four or five. Uh, that's a couple game swing in the ace favor right there. And again, not wishing injury on him, but uh, that could open up the door for the A's in the AL West. Uh, just, you know, the, all they need is a crack and that could be the crack and the season hasn't even started yet. So that'd be kind of cool. And they know that AJ Puck is out for, you know, right now as he's recovering. Um, but they already have an in-house rotation uh, fill-in for him and Chris Bassett. They just move him from the bullpen over to the starting rotation, and they could be fine right there. Um, and then they just got to find a competent bullpen arm for, you know, as long as Puck is out, which isn't as big of a hole to fill on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you wouldn't have as many innings to fill the hole for. Uh, you know, a reliever could pitch anywhere from 50 to 70 innings, whereas a starter like Justin Verlander is going for like 170 to 200 on a yearly basis. So uh, that's just fewer innings you have to make up. And especially with uh, A.J. Puck in the rotation, he's maybe going 150 or so. So you're not going for as many innings to fill as you are if you lose a Justin Verlander, you know, an ace of the staff like that. So the A's are, if, even if they were both down for the same amount of time, the A's would be in a better spot, I think, um, just with how they're uh, created as of right now. And then, you know, they still got uh, Grant Holmes and James Caprillian, and uh, those, those are the two guys that are healthy right now. They still got Daniel Gossett, who's dealing with an injury from a couple weeks ago. Uh, so he could... Uh, become an option as well later in the season. But, you know, they, they've got some depth pieces that they can work with. Um, but I'm done talking about the Astros. Let's move on to uh, the other part of Texas. 
the Texas Rangers, that is. Um, unfortunately, Willie Calhoun was hit in the face by a 95-mile-an-hour fastball today, and uh, that broke his jaw. So uh, that that's not fun. And as an owner of Willie Calhoun chairs on fantasy teams, this obviously stinks, but uh, he was traded from the Dodgers to uh, to Texas in one of those deals that they made. And it was his former teammate, Julio Urias, uh, who hit him in the jaw. And obviously, he was feeling extra bad about it because they were friends. Or, you know, they're still friends, but they were friends from a couple years ago before he got traded. And, um, you know, Willie Calhoun, he, he's had a rough go. You know, when he got traded, he was like, oh, I'm going to be playing every day. And he has not been playing every day. He had a pretty good season last year. And this season, he was going to be, you know, the starting left fielder for the Texas Rangers. And then uh, he gets hit in the face by an errant fastball. So that kind of sucks. So I kind of feel bad for him. Um, I mean, a part of me never really wants the Rangers to do well, but not this way. I I don't like seeing guys get hit in the face. Um, Willie Calhoun seems like a cool guy. He's 25. Um, He's got some pop. He's a good hitter. Uh, so I'm rooting for him to have a speedy recovery. He could be out anywhere from, uh, I think Reese Hoskins. Uh, I was reading some that, uh, Reese Hoskins got hit in the face. missed like nine games. Uh, but he'll probably be out like a month. So he might miss the first couple of weeks of opening, uh, of the season. And then, uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, Rangers are going to be filling in with a bunch of random guys until that time. Uh, so he's going to get tested again, uh, run some more tests to determine a more, uh, concrete time frame on Monday. So we'll have more information on that on Monday. Um, but yeah, uh, wishing Willie Calhoun a speedy recovery and all of that good stuff. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break right now. And then, uh, I'm going to go into the catcher and second base, uh, position battles, and then we'll run through a quick trade scenario involving Jorge Mateo. And we're back. Um, I thought that since we had the weekend off, um, it would be good to just go over the spring training battles uh, thus far. Uh, so these are going to be everybody's spring stats through games played through on Sunday. So I'm going to start at the top with uh, Austin Allen and Jonah Hyam. Uh, Austin Allen is currently 11 for 29 with two home runs, two doubles, nine runs batted in, six runs scored, and he has struck out five times and walked twice. He, uh, that 11 for 29, uh, goes out to a 379, uh, batting average and his OPS is 1073. So, uh, he's doing okay for himself. Anything above a thousand is amazing. Um, so that's good. Anything above, you know, 800 is perfectly acceptable. Um, that's what I look for in fantasy baseball. And, you know, obviously you get, uh, numbers that are less than that, um, in some positions, but. 800 is about where you want to be hitting, and he's doing well above that. I also looked up the quality of the opponents that everybody's been facing so far over on Baseball Reference. I mentioned this in uh, one of last week's episodes. So uh, for Austin Allen, he's at a 6.5, which is roughly double A. It's like right in between double A and high A, or high A and double A if you're going up. Um, So it's a little bit under double A pitching, but um, so... Obviously, take these stats with a grain of salt. He's not going to be hitting 379 in the majors. But hopefully this leads us to believe that he would hit higher than like the 188 average that he had in a handful of plate appearances last year. So uh, there, there's that. 
Um, Jonah Hyam, he's uh, facing, uh, he has a 6.2 opponent average. Um, so it's slightly lower than Austin Allen, but, you know, not too bad. Um, so roughly equal if you want to go with that. Uh, he is 8 for 23 with two doubles, five runs batted in, four runs scored. He has struck out twice and walked once. He's hitting 348 with an 833 on base or uh, on base plus slugging. So he's not bad. Not, not a bad uh, repertoire right there. I do like the two strikeouts to one walk means he's putting the ball in play a little bit more. And also he's not straight. I mean, five to two isn't anything to sneeze at, but uh, two to one, not bad either. So um, he's got a little bit less uh, power than Austin Allen, but we already knew that. But if he keeps these spring training stats close, uh, paired with his defense, he might actually end up winning out. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. These next couple of weeks are going to have a lot of implications for who's going to be the backup catcher to Sean Murphy um, and all that stuff. Uh, I will say that Austin Allen's uh, OPS is 200 points higher, which may also come into play with the loaded power bats that the A's have. Why just add one more? Screw it. Um, so yeah, second base. I'm. Just, uh, I went from best to worst according to. I, I think they were sorted by batting average, but you know, kind of by performance as well. So uh, Franklin Barreto was at the top right now. He had three doubles in Sunday's game. Uh, one of those was off of uh, Josh Hader as well. So not bad competition to be hitting doubles off of. I will take it. Uh, Frank Lombretto is currently 11 for 33. Uh, he has two triples, four doubles, four runs batted in, six runs scored, and a stolen base. He has struck out eight times and walked three times. Obviously, that strikeout percentage is a little bit high, especially considering that he's facing eh, roughly AAA pitching, a little bit less than AAA pitching. Um, but, you know... Overall, not bad. He's uh, batting 333 with a 965 on base plus slugging. So obviously that 965 is a standout, but again, just above double A pitching. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Tony Kemp, he is 9 for 27. He has a home run, a double, one run batted in, which was himself on that home run. Uh, seven runs scored and a stolen base. He has struck out four times and walked five times, or uh, and also walked four times. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, he is batting 333 as well, and he has a 901 OPS. So they're obviously the front runners if uh, Piscotty lands on the DL to, you know, lock up the extra spots that are uh, available to the A's. Um, and then you got Vimeo Machin, one of my personal favorites. Uh, he is currently 8 for 26 with two doubles, four runs batted in, five runs scored. He has struck out five times and walked five times. Um, I like the symmetry of these of Kemp Machin, and as you'll see here in a second, Mateo. They have all walked and struck out as, you know, an equal amount of times. So, you know, that, that means that they're handling the bat and seeing the ball fairly well, I suppose. Um, Frank Lombretto, I don't know if I mentioned it. He has been facing uh, just under AAA pitching. Uh, Tony Kemp is below him. He's at AA pitching level. Um, so, you know, that's all right. Uh, Vimeo Machin's just above AA pitching. He's at 6.4. So he's not facing anything that he hasn't really seen before. So to see him doing well, not a big deal. 
uh, necessarily. Uh, but he is batting 308 with an 804 on base plus slugging. So, you know, nothing great. Yeah, 804 is, you know, right around where you want to see it. But it is against double-A pitching. So I'd like to see him do maybe a little bit better. Because um, the real question for him is, can he handle major league pitching if he's going to earn a roster spot? He hasn't played a bunch in AAA, and so we want to at least see if he can hit AAA pitching. Again, I would love to see them make a trade with the Cubs to, you know, solidify him as an Oakland Athletic, um, or, you know, at least in the minor leagues, because I don't know that they're going to have a roster spot for him. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that comes you know, in a couple of weeks if he's still hitting, you know, above 300, and if he's going to warrant a roster spot, you know, or roster consideration in the future. Um Finally, we got Jorge Mateo, who is 6 for 23. Uh, all six of those hits have been singles. He has four runs batted in with six runs scored, three stolen bases. He has struck out five times and walked five times. So that equals a uh, 261 batting average with a 654 OPS. Um, he's obviously the low man on the totem pole, according to Spring Stats. And, uh, I mean, his speed can get him so far, but... He's going to have to show a little bit more with a bat, I think. So uh, we'll, we'll go into some trade speculation here. Actually, before I get to the trade speculation, I just want to mention uh, Sheldon Noisy and Dustin Fowler were both optioned to AAA Vegas, so they are no longer on the uh, Major League Spring Training team. And then uh, Logan Davidson, Buddy Reed, personal favorite, uh, Greg Diekman, and Dylan Thomas were all reassigned to Minor League Camp, so they are all no longer with the Major League team right now. Um, I think it was Chris Haft of MLB.com said that they are at 41 players in spring training right now. So they're trimming the roster down little by little. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the bullpen shakes out and all that stuff as time goes on. Obviously, you need plenty of arms in spring training because starters aren't giving you five or six innings yet. And speaking of arms, I'll touch on some of the uh, standout pitchers from the A's uh, spring training staff. In tomorrow's episode, I have them written down. I'm not going to have enough time to get to them because we have trade speculation to get to. So, um, at the bottom of a Ken Rosenthal piece over the weekend in The Athletic, he mentioned that uh, the Detroit Tigers and Kansas City Royals have showed some interest in Jorge Mateo as a possible trade candidate. And uh, so, basically, that's what I was working with. I got, I got, a question on Twitter was like, hey, what do you think a Jorge Mateo trade would look like? Are we looking at a top 30 prospect in one of these farm systems? Or are we going for like a lottery pick, something in between? And I personally think that it would be something closer to a lottery pick. Um, if it is going to be in somebody's top 30, it'd be like 29 or 30. Um, so I, I was looking, I, I did a quick 10 minute search and one name stood out in the Detroit system. I didn't look at uh, the Royals one yet, so I will revisit this in a future pod, but I wanted to get this in today. Um, and that was Carlos Pena, because Carlos Pena used to play for the A's, and then he got traded to the Tigers. If you've seen Moneyball, you know what I'm talking about. Or read Moneyball, or, you know, watched baseball in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, that was a thing that happened. So, it's not that Carlos Pena, but that's why the name stuck out to me. Uh, this Carlos Pena is currently 21 years old. He is a lefty. He was playing in the Dominican Summer League last year, and uh, he signed as a minor league free agent, so they assigned him to rookie ball. Um, so he is 5'11", and he went 5-0 and last year with uh, four starts and 15 games played. So he totaled uh, 49 and one-third inning pitched. 
He had a 12.95 strikeout per nine and a 310 walks per nine. And he uh, came in with a 274 ERA. So obviously we're looking at just, I, I don't know how fast he throws. He's a little shorter than you usually would see a lefty. Um, so, but this is just a name that stuck out and it's not necessarily the player. It's more the stats that I was looking for. Um, so the 1295 strikeout per nine, that's something that I'm looking for in a lottery pick. Somebody, somebody who misses bats and can strike guys out and he showed enough control. You, you're not going to get somebody with like, Oh, one walk per nine, uh, right at all because uh, those guys are going to be coveted. So you want somebody with like three, four, somewhere where you can like improve the control a little bit. Um, and so that's why this guy here, his control might actually be too good to land in a Jorge Mateo deal. I'm not positive because um, three isn't terrible, but it is also rookie ball. So there's a lot more errant swings and misses at balls that are out of the strike zone. So you could see that come up a little bit as he got to like high A or double A or something like that. So as far as a Jorge Mateo deal goes, that's the kind of player I would expect in return is somebody either in the lower minors uh, that it would be a lottery pick or maybe somebody in like double A who just hasn't put it together yet that the A's feel like they could work with. Um, and then maybe they could, you know, raise them real quick. If they were a reliever, we've seen guys that get drafted in June and make their major league uh, debut by September. I don't know that they'd be looking for somebody that they could use this year, but you know, next year for sure would be uh, preferable. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm going to leave this one. I will dive into this one a little bit more, maybe a full segment on potential guys uh, in rookie ball and such that the A's could target uh, from the Royals and Tiger systems and uh, go from there. But uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Follow us at Locked on A's on Twitter, me personally at ByJasonB. If you guys have any questions that you would like answered, you can email us at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for today. Go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk with you guys tomorrow.